That is the top of the hour. So, hello and welcome to season two of Mouthwash, fresh chat that leaves you feeling confident Monday to Friday with me, your host, Paul Armstrong, creator of TBD Conference. Interviewing powerful people is easy, but that's not the Mouthwash way. Instead, we're exploring the less obvious elements of power this season. What's really driving the world? Who's behind the scenes trying to keep the wheels on? Who's messing things up? Who's got power? Who wants it? How do you get it? We're exploring it all. Joining me every episode is a smart cookie of my choosing, and tonight's cookie is none other than women in tech's Esprit Devora, a force in the LA tech scene and a global podcasting genius. Welcome to the show, Esprit. How are you doing? Hello, hello. How's my audio? Yeah, really, really good. Really good. How's mine? I should. Is that something I should ask everyone? Okay, Excellent. cool. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on Mouthwash. Uh, I love that enthusiasm. We've been trying to make this happen for yes, a while. Yes, yes. I'm glad. I'm glad it's all happening. I have it. Before you and I chat more, let's talk about where we are and how uh, people can get involved. Um, Twitter Space is still a beta product from Twitter, so let's explore it a bit. Um, on the mobile app, the top bit is called The Nest. That's where I or any speaker can post tweets like the ones you see at the moment. Um, Mouthwash uses this to discuss them in a section we call Desert Island Tweets. You can click through, follow account links and stuff like that what look at pictures it's pretty handy and a unique feature to twitter spaces um, you can see all your faces and the speakers are up at the top spaces allow up to 11 speakers at a time including the host so you can really have a good chat multiple voices but it doesn't become a nightmare with microphones you can request the mic when you're in any space if uh, you want to just by clicking the mic in the bottom left although mouthwash is more of a show format so we actually take questions via the hashtag up at the top the blue one um, if you click it or just type it in a regular tweet I will see it or DM me during the show if you have a question as well. And it just saves your fingers some tapping if you click up the top. Um, Twitter's recently introduced a slew of monetization features. So you actually know they're serious about spaces and, uh, you know, making this a long play for them. But if you look at the bottom right of your phone screen, you'll actually see some icons some dots and people are hearts and that sort of stuff. The dots are where the settings are. So you can turn on captions, other accessibility features and notifications if you go into privacy and all of that. Um, let's test one of those out at the moment. So if you look at the with the up staple um, join me by clicking that and if you just click share via tweet you'll actually create a little tweet which they're working on um, and just put live now or something or great space or whatever you want to put up there um, and then just hit uh, send and then you're laughing and then that pushes people uh, sorry that pushes that tweet out into the uh, Twitter sphere and all your followers hopefully will see it um, not only does that help people get into the space and find out about good things but actually mouthwash um, works with in partnership with ecology which is a carbon offsetting platform and we're actually uh, planting a tree for every live listener that we get every season so I've worked with them for TBD conference for a number of years I asked them if they want to be involved and um, Elliot and the guys over there and women and they's uh, all said that they would love to do it so if you want to find out more go to ecology.com that's e-c-o-l-o-g-i.com and whether it's for yourself your business Elliot and the team are great partners to work with so I definitely recommend you checking it out and offsetting the carbon for you Thanks to Shell for sponsoring the show. Shell's recently published a target to be a net zero emissions energy business by 2050 or sooner. Obviously, inset with society. And you can find out more how Shell is powering progress over at shell.com forward slash powering progress. OK, so it's time to use another button and shower Esprit in a disgusting amount of emojis. If you click the heart with a plus and begin showering while I tell you more about her, don't stop until the end. All right. So you found it. Click the heart. I'll do one now. I'll pick the wave. So you pick that one. Start showering. 
Ready and go. Okay. A prolific podcaster since 2013, Esprit is not just a founding member of the Audio Collective, the hybrid live audio creator community, she's also a force in the LA Texan. Host of multiple podcasts, moderator for more than five audio rooms, and one of the first clubhouse icon faces, Esprit has been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, Harper's Bazaar, Inc. and more. She knows the power of audio after completing over 1,000 podcasts and speaking at everything from South by Southwest to USC, Red Bull to CBS. All of this is probably why people refer to her as, and I quote, the girl who gets it done. Recently partnering with TikTok on a project close to her feet, she's a sneakerhead, did you see? Uh, as Bree says, she's more interested in heart and integrity, not job titles. Something a world needs a lot more of right now. I think you'll agree. Thanks for joining us, Esprit. Uh, wh- what did I miss from your bio? I mean, I feel like I should take what you just had there and use it as my bio. That was amazing. Oh, good. I'm glad. I, I try and do a good <laughs> job on those. I do try anyway. At least. What was the first thing you thought of when you woke up this morning? Oh, man. I love that question. I, I, wow. The first thing I thought of when I woke up this morning... I'd say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to switch it a little bit. The first thing I wish I thought of when I woke up this morning is how to make sure that I, I love myself, that I'm having like an ultimate love affair with myself and, um, and feeling empowered and competent and, um, because I am, I am empowered and competent. And the only thing that gets in my own way is me. So being my own best friend is how I'd like to wake up every single Oh, wow. Day. I love that. I love that. Um, how have the last 18 months been for you? I feel like that's going to be 24 months soon. I'm going to be asking that question. God, that's making me worried. Anyway, <laughs> how's the last 18 months been for you? You know, it's been interesting. I feel very lucky that my family's okay. Um, I, I'm an introvert, which is surprising to most people. So I'm able to handle being alone um, more comfortably than, than a lot of people. Um, so that's, it's been okay to be inside. Um, but I think it's, it's definitely doubled down on, you know, being anxious, being around people and all that Mm. stuff. Um, I think it's been a good time to self-reflect and all this stuff, but so many people are going through so much, um, so many terrible, terrible, permanent differences in their life. And, I, I, I feel very thankful that my family is okay, and I'm also extremely grateful that I'm an mm. introvert. I think it's interesting, isn't it? People have become a lot more sort of introspective, I think, which is a good thing because of the pandemic, because people did need to take a lot more stock of like what their impact was on the world, how they speak to people and that sort of thing. But also there is a massive sort of tidal wave coming of mental health issues, I think, further down the line. I don't think it's getting any less. In fact, I think it's just being either talked about less in certain circles, but sort of internalised more as people... People are being told to be quote unquote finger wiggle resilient and suck it up. That's my only worry. I'm, I'm very much with you that like definitely look in the mirror every day. Think about how you're going to have a best day. You're in charge of your the day that you have and that sort of thing. Um, I just I wish more people did that. I really do. That's my, that's my one sort of thing. Um, I mean, I think it, it's really important. Like I see Ivy is here with us and I think it's really important to be surrounded by people who empower and cheer mm-hmm. you up um, because the human experience is, um, I was telling you, I saw D- Andrew was here um, just a moment ago too. And the human experience is, it has its ups and downs. And we all picture that there's this there that we're trying to attain there to be happy to, oh, there you are there to be happy, to be joyous, to be all these things. And Andrew and I were talking about how there doesn't actually exist. And I think as a society, and, and Andrew was saying this too, that it's kind of like, 
uh, we as a society picture that celebrities have all arrived quote unquote there, but really there is no such thing as there. And so, I mean, one, I'd like everybody to be a lot kinder to everyone and understand that we're all going through the human experience, no matter our economic status or social status or um, not having status, like everyone deserves to be acknowledged, seen and, and appreciated just for being a living in this human experience together god yes god yes okay so we are going to talk about audio tonight and that is going to take us through the spectrum of everything uh, i want to start about what's happening now then i'll talk about audio in the future and then i would like to talk a little bit about startups and the yellow tech scene because you are so involved in that as well towards the end but let's start now um the pandemic's been a boon and a blast for podcasting um the commute has gone but lockdowns have meant more sort of curiosity and alone time is needed. It's soon to be a billion dollar ad industry. Where, where is podcasting right now when you talk about it? I think it's so interesting because a lot of new podcasters feel like, oh my gosh, am I too late? And podcasting is nowhere near where YouTube mm -hmm. is right now. So we have a huge, huge journey ahead of us and we are the creators. It's exciting time to be in podcasting because we're inventing the space and creating what's possible. And so um, they see, oh, but there's millions of shows. How will I ever be found? I mean, unfortunately, most of those shows I call uh, a, a podcast graveyard because most people experience pod fade, which means they, they quit podcasting they become discouraged and they don't produce anything past seven episodes. So you can't even compare yourself to the catalog of podcasts that exists on Apple, etc. because most of those shows are inactive. So I think it's an amazing time to be an audio creator, whether it's via something like Twitter Spaces right now or via podcast. I think the difference between an, a live auditory experience like we're having right now versus um, a podcast which you tune into on demand um, as it's recorded is that it's this I feel a Twitter spaces and everything else allows a lot more space for that on demand engagement. And so the experience that you're curating is an experience that incorporates on demand engagement, whereas an auditory uh, podcast that you'd find on Apple. At that point, you can't engage on demand and it allows more opportunity for highly produced storytelling and to do a lot of editing cuts and, and to produce in a certain way. So when you get involved in podcasting, rather than feeling like, oh my gosh, there's too much out there, instead think about how can I create a unique experience and how will this unique experience impact that listener's life and what technologies and, technologies and platforms do I want to utilize in order to that um that experience for the listener I, I couldn't agree more from someone who's come into i'll talk a bit more about the experience i've had with mouthwash a little bit later but coming in from it from like pretty much hating podcasts i've now got a new affinity for how long they take and a massive respect for how creative you have to be to sort of do it and also for anyone in the scheduling business i have nothing but faith for them <laughs> that sort of stuff um how do you think the pandemic's going to affect podcasting long term it, it's interesting, right? Because these um, social audio has definitely increased because of the pandemic. I mean, honestly, I, I always said I've said the beginning of my career in podcasting, I launched, I started producing my first podcast in 2013. And as Paul mentioned, I've produced now some probably over a 1000 episodes. It's crazy. Um, and I've always felt I would rather someone be mentally subscribed to my show. Like I am, there's a podcast called to live or die in LA. 
I'm so mentally subscribed to that show. I'm like fiending for for Neil Strauss to like come out with another episode um, rather than technically subscribed. And what I mean by that is it's much more powerful to have someone thinking about your show, looking out for your show, wanting to be a part. So it doesn't matter if they change from an iPhone to an Android or if podcast player apps or if their phone crashes or if they're on a computer versus their phone or whatever their technical situation is, as long as they're mentally subscribed, they will seek out to connect with your content. And so I think it's just really important to continue to create content and form that relationship with your community. So people are seeking out your content rather than relying on an algorithm and uh, and technology to feed the content to Mm. you. So the theme of this season is power. Um, when I think of podcasting, I think and, and audio in general, I think of a few things, which are, which are similar themes that have come up for a few of the um, mouthwashes that we've done. So you've got the platforms; they own sort of distribution, the technology, and that sort of stuff. Then you have the algorithms that those platforms adhere to. You have um, consumer interest, um, and you also have media and that sort of stuff. Where's the power in podcasting? Is it all of those things? Is it just two of them? Where would you say? Is it something else? I mean, I really feel the power in podcasting is connecting with community. Like before you ask, like, you know, how will things change through through the pandemic? And, and uh, you know, I shared it's all about the content you create and that content. Why are we creating that content? It's, it's about community. So I think podcasting has to do with how long someone is necessarily commuting. I think it has to do with what we're doing the dishes or errands or maybe. I think it has to do with like why does this matter in my life? And that question is answered is how how am I making a monumental in my community members life? Mm-hmm. You know, so so if I listen to like I said to live or die in LA, like it's so like like it's an escape for me. That's what that show is. It's, it's also, I'm so in admiration of of the storytelling and the production. I mean, I could go on and on about that show and everybody check (laughs) it out. Um, if I, if I'm listening to, to any podcast, right, there's this podcast called fake ID podcast. Why, why does this matter to me? What is it exposing me? Um, what is it exposing to? How is it, um, increasing my intelligence or how is it making, seen and heard how is it empowering me with confidence how is it educating me how is it making me laugh how is it making me feel less alone how is it motivating me how is it bringing me closer to goals like where what bucket do you fall into for your community members and how do you elevate your community so authentically and consistently that at podcast is just part of their life mm. journey. I think that's that's a key part of it, isn't it? Really figuring out where you fit in the let's use a business term customer journey, if that makes sense. Whether it is a literal journey or whether it's a life stage and that sort of stuff. I think that's the interesting part about audio is that. It comes at it came at a time, you know, 2013, when everyone was overloaded, things were sort of starting to really pile on with platforms. But now you start to see that people are sort of delineating their time a little bit more, partly because they have a little bit more time, um, because they're not allowed to go out some places or they're starting to go out places again and that sort of stuff. But then other p- um, parts of it is that they are specifically tuning in, like you um, said to live and die in LA. Um, it would be interesting, I think it's going to be interesting to see after the po- um, pandemic sort of really ends if it ever goes away and that sort of stuff and we're all going to have to live with it um 
how those behaviors either stay the same or morph. And that's something I'm really sort of interested in. Um, I, I think the platforms are going to be, you know, key because, you know, Spotify seems to be all in on podcasts. Um, they bought Anchor for hosting, Gimlet, Podcast for production. Um, and the, obviously the controversial guy, Joe Rogan. They've obviously paid um, other people, uh, Obama's other celebrities and stuff like that. But you've got things like um, Locker Room and Megaphone. Um, when Spotify sort of bought them, Apple kind of became the most, was, sorry, rather, the common most listening app for podcasts last year. But Spotify has really taken that sort of gauntlet. Do you think that's always going to be this way? Or do you think Apple's going to regain the crown? I honestly on the on the angle of podcasting that I do I just don't really look into it that much I don't know what they're both up to I think it's just important that we're supported as creators Mm. and appreciated as creators and I think it's up to us as creators to find the technologies um, to use to in order to empower us to sustain Um, I don't keep track of Apple versus spot it's not even how I see the world I don't see the world I know that the world is um, competitive, but I like to see the world as collaborative. So the whole, like, I don't know. I hope all of them win. I hope there's enough room for Spotify to be huge, for Apple to be huge and for whoever's building something right now to be huge, you know? Mm. Well, I think that's all, uh, that's interesting. I'll jump ahead from a couple of questions. Maybe I'll uh, go back and that's thing. Um, Audio spaces, they're hotter than the average anti-vac comment section right now. So you've got club spa- uh, Clubhouse, uh, Green Room, and of course Twitter Spaces. Um, all are available uh, now, but competitors are planning products. You've got Facebook, LinkedIn, others. Do you think that there's room for everyone, like you just mentioned, or do you think people will pick a platform? And the reason I ask that is because I, I, I'm starting to see um, vein, veins or themes uh, between between platforms example clubhouse has got startups and i think ac16 will want to keep and sort of mine that data twitter seems to be a sort of melange of interests and sort of news pop-up ones and green room seems to be sports and entertainment do you think what do you think about that do you think that's a fair sort of statement i mean i i think that they all have different because i've been a part of the clubhouse ecosystem for a long time there's a lot of different communities not just tech within mm. clubhouse um, oh no definitely but that seems to be a vein that's staying quite strong in there i i don't know because i don't know their data or their numbers and they have a lot of rooms and not all of us can see so i can't speak intelligently on without knowing what the actual numbers are for each one mm. but again it kind of goes back to the my initial sentiment which is consistent which is it's more important that we're creating experience like for instance i i do a weekly podcast class on clubhouse and like people come like uh, last week i had 1300 people in my podcast class you know so that's not i'm not doing a um I'm using that audio technology for a class community setting, mm. whereas like I'm not doing a podcast class on a feed that's being recorded and then put to Apple. There's another technology that came out, uh, put to Apple or Spotify or whatever it may be. There's another technology that came out called Spore. And they're like, well, would you air your podcast classes on Spore? I mean, all of this stuff, there's so much technology, so much technology. Who cares? What matters like through and through is are you serving your community? Are you connecting with them where they want to connect? Do you understand what's going on in their lives? And do they know how to find you with ease? Like Mm. right now, like 
we're utilizing a technology to do this experience, right? And I posted the link for this experience on like Instagram and on Twitter and all these things. And now the technology, like to no fault of either of ours, like didn't work out as we expected it to work out. And now we have like a new link. Like these are all just like tech things. It's like, but what matters is the community that we're serving. And right now, you know, that community, Susie, Dylan, Suze, sorry, Suze, Dylan, like it, what matters is the, the end result of the community and forming those strong relationships with the community. And maybe like it's having, uh, like I know with my clubhouse rooms, I do integrate that with Spore and then Spore automatically emails people when I have a new clubhouse. I don't rely on the technology of clubhouse itself to notify people because I understand people um, don't want so many notifications. So right. it just kind of goes back like is Apple winning is Spotify like like it doesn't really matter to you as a content creator as long as you're forming a really dynamic relationship with your community and they could follow you and and tune in with with ease i guess it also depends on your objectives right some people might be doing this for passion other people might be doing it for profit and i guess the reason why i ask those questions is because i think there are locus of power when it comes to platforms you know their ability to drive an audience for example is something that's frustrating um some people on twitter spaces when they're using the tab and that sort of thing other platforms have been um uh, alive longer and sort of different sort of uh, ethos in general but um, discoverability seems to be a big opportunity for a lot of right. people and and also a controlling force if you're never on the the tab on twitter spaces if you're not on the clubhouse schedule and yeah, that but sort see, of thing. if you're relying on an algorithm or someone else's mercy in order to grow your brand and your community that you're already like setting yourself up for failure mm. it's more about being proactive and seeking out your community how many people ask for podcast recommendations every day are you reaching out to those people and sharing your podcast um mm. there's also good pods where i just happened to interview the founder of good pods this morning where they actively promote their a discovery app for podcasts so they actively promote your podcast so have you made sure to claim your podcast on good pods so it can be promoted there. Like, do you have a newsletter to go along? Like, there's just so many pieces of technology and content that could be utilized to promote a podcast. You know, and over the years, like, depending on if there's an ad apocalypse on YouTube or all of these things are out that are outside of your control. I just think, like, I mean, even Mr. Beast says it. Like, create great content and stop worrying so much about an algorithm. I, mm. I get that if you get the right piece of press and this and that, there's a tipping point to everything. But I think the winning secret sauce and formula for anything, and this is something like Dylan and I know really well, is consistency. Like consistency yeah. is the secret sauce. Now, whether you'll have to be consistent for a year or 20 years, you know, it's frustrating when it's 20 years, but it's still consistency nonetheless. Like it, maybe it's a, a reassessment of the consist the actions that you're taking in that consistency. Meaning if you're like, okay, I want to grow my podcast. I'm going to respond to five people a day that are asking for podcast recommendations. And you do that for a year. And if you take it to another level and not only do you respond, this is something Will Conway does and he's so great. Not only mm -hmm. do you respond um, with a tweet, but maybe you create a personal video. Like, you know, there's just so many things that you could do to be consistent building community which are so much more in your control and power than relying on an algorithm or a new feature what one secret for new features for 
alleged growth hacks or whatever, is when when a company builds a new feature, like when Twitter just built Twitter Spaces, like I'm talking about like brand new, then that's the time that you're probably going to like stroke their happy machine, you know, of like, of pro, like when Instagram came out with reels, when Twitter comes out with spaces or whoever comes out with a new feature, if you're using that feature and you're one of the first to be using the feature, the likelihood that the platform is going to elevate you is a lot higher than their older features because they're trying to test it out and get it used. And they're going to elevate those like YouTube just came out with shorts, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about brands and their sort of involvement in um, podcasts a bit because it is a business and there are objectives with any business involvement and that sort of stuff. Um, what do you think of the business ops within audio spaces in particular? How are they different to with podcasts, do you think? Wait, did you say the business operations? Business opportunities in them. Oh, the business opportunities in in uh, like uh, social audio versus podcasting uh, uh, more again, audio no. spaces and audio rooms than than podcast podcast i see as a, a production and a sort of finished product right. which doesn't necessarily have to be done live and that sort of stuff often they are live and that sort of thing but um for me audio spaces can be sort of pop-up and they 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 they, to me, they seem more, more of a fertile ground, but um, a lot of brands I hear are um, scared of going into them because of that live element. But there are business ops and that sort of stuff. What do you think uh, is the sort of range of ones that are available? Sure. Well, I mean, I've been paid to be a moderator of rooms, so you could be paid for like – Whereas, like, if you were um, booked to be a podcast host, that's, like, a huge lift, right? Whereas if mm. you're just moderating a room, that's different. So, I mean, th there's just different kind of activation um, integration opportunities when it comes to social platforms, moderation, sponsorships, giveaways. Um, somebody was doing, like, a game room, and then, and so, like, a gambling company sponsored that. I, I mean – the thing about sponsorships that I think people don't understand is just because you read something on Google doesn't mean that that's the only way that it works. We're all creators. We can all invent what we want to exist into reality. And mm. so if you want to create a certain kind of activation, which means like a sponsor, um, you know, being elevated into into the event that you're creating, um, just kind of picture what it like are the – I'm just going to take a physical event for a second. Like are the, are the people, the greeters at the door wearing the sponsor shirt? Is the sponsor signage somewhere? Is, um, are you talking about the sponsor? Are, are you passing out food related to the sponsor? And so you would just do the same thing in an audio situation or, um, you know, is there something pre-talk that you could share with the audience that, like, you know, makes sense and that would elevate the sponsor? Do you do you feature the sponsor as a speaker? Or, like, um, do you integrate a, a topic related to the sponsor during the conversation? Like, we're all just creators, and we just need to create something that's really dynamic, but not to forget that it's not about the sponsor. It's about creating that meaningful impact on the listener, whether it's via a social audio or a podcast and if you're not creating that impact on that listener then I, I was listening to this interview the other day this composer said um that if if everyone around him doesn't have shining eyes then he's not being the best leader he can be and i thought that was really powerful shining eyes mm -hmm. i feel i feel that way about listeners is if they don't walk away feeling like you just wowed them and you were worth their time and you made a difference then then what was the point of what just happened, you know?
that that's a great point i like that it's kind of like why 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 are you here if you're not impacting people and that's uh, um, and you could impact people by making them laugh and giving them an escape and etc. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't have to be so, like, so Gandhi. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, but I, I feel like there are a lot of brands out there that are so focused on short termism and sort of everything must have an instant ROI that they don't give the audio space a chance. And that's something I think is a shame because there are a lot of brands with good voices out there. Um, not all of them, hundred percent, but they could partner with a creator and create something really useful—a recipe show or whatever it is. You know, there's mm-hmm. loads of opportunities, but I think they are scared. But interestingly enough, I think um, we're going to see this change over the next uh, 12, 24 months because this year marked the billion-dollar mark for the podcast ad industry, which is a watershed moment in any media. When it comes to ads, how do you think that brands make sure that they get listened to and not skipped? Um, when I think of ads, I only think of podcasters almost making them a jokey part of the recording. But um, some have been, you know, interestingly done. But I think the majority of them are sort of something that you have to get through because, you know, that skip button's being pressed. Yeah. So, like, that's a great question. Like, I don't do ad reads. I integrate my sponsors heavily into my shows. Like, mm. I feel an emotional connection with my sponsors. So it's not necessarily something you would skip because they're not normal they're not like, and buy this, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. it, so I'll maybe feature their executives and, and I don't, I don't feature their executives because the sponsors, I genuinely would want to feature their exec, you know, everything is meaningful and thoughtful. Um, I, you know, I feel like the more trust you have with the host, the less that somebody will necessarily skip them something because they believe in you and they want to have that relationship with you. Or like I hear Tim Ferriss did a whole study on his sponsorship and his whole audience says like, I, I want you to have the ads because I want what you recommend. I want to know what you're recommending. And Mm. so I don't skip the ads. So it's about building that really authentic connection. Again, it always goes back to community. It's about building that authentic connection with your community so that they, they don't like want to skip because it's relevant to them. The only reason someone would skip is if it's not relevant to their life. Like I skipped a, a YouTube ad earlier today because it was a product for men. You know what I mean? So if you provide them something that's relevant in their lives, then they're not going to skip it. And if they trust you to deliver quality and that you're thoughtful about what you're incorporating, they're not going to skip it. If you do it in an entertaining way, they're not going to skip it. It's, it's just constantly asking yourself, what is your relationship between content and listener? And how are you making sure that it's the most elevated experience? So it's truly worth their time and not just a portion of it and not just the talking part, but in, the ads included like how's the whole thing the whole absolute picture worth their time mm. so do you think more of a sort of integrated approach and making sure that those sponsors or people that are being integrated in the show appear organic and sort of less overt would be a better way of doing it in general well, would, that, would that be fair as long as, as long as that's genuine to you you know don't like pretend to be something <laughs> yeah know? oh no definitely yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I use this mouthwash today yeah no yeah. exactly yeah yeah um, let's talk about you the should have a mouthwash sponsor <laughs> you know what was funny i um outreached to colgate and i said i want to give away free samples to people can you sort out the mechanic i don't want anything to do with it and um yeah, there was a lot of email. It didn't come to anything. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but that's the thing. It would have been great, wouldn't it? It would have been such no, a story. No, but why Why stop? I mean, maybe you haven't, but, like, that's the thing. Why stop at Colgate? Like, make a list of every single mouthwash company, oh. period, and then just yeah. – 
Make sure, yeah. It's it's on the list for sure of things yeah. things things I want to do for sure. It's just having time in the day. Do you know? Okay, let's let's get real about podcasts for a sec. No yeah. one, they take about ten times the amount of time that you think that people take. People think I think that they rock up with a microphone and they go, "Oh hi, I'm ready to do a podcast and that sort of." Stuff. It takes so long. You've got creation, ideation, creation. Uh, what do you call it? Scheduling, rescheduling. Mm-hmm. Uh, creating questions, figuring out what content you're going to create after the show, creating that content, creating the pre-show. It is a nightmare. What do you, what's your top tips for people when they're uh, starting out and sort of that they don't realize all of that? Sure. I mean, I think that having processes listed out is really important. I think you start, I teach a formula called purpose. It's called the three P's in the M and M's. It stands for Mm. purpose, process, production, marketing, monetization. And I also have, have an equation called the triangle of purpose. I, I just think so many people forget to define their purpose right away earlier on. And, and the save the world people, me included, right? We say, Oh, we just want to do this to like, help the world. But the truth is we all have some sort of thing that benefits us, you know, that's mm-hmm. something, whether it's like livelihood or whether it's like, I want to feel a sense, I want to feel like my life matters or, you know, whatever it is. So figuring out what is the core why for m- maybe some people want to become a thought leader. What is the core why for you? What's the core why for if you have guests or guests and what's the core why for your listeners? That's how you create your triangle of purpose, right? So mm-hmm. after you figure out your purpose, then you have process. Process is where you dreamscape of like, what is the ideal situation for my podcast? Like how much do I want to spend an hour a week on it? Do I want to spend five hours a week on it? Do I want to work with a team? Do I want to delegate? Do I not want to do any editing all? Do I want to do editing? What budget do I have? What budget don't I have? What resources do I have? Who do I know? Et cetera, et cetera. Right? So you figure out, you dreamscape your processes uh, as though like anything is possible. Like absolutely anything is possible. You don't put any restrictions on yourself. And then then you start to narrow it out. Okay. Like what makes sense for me? Because like, sometimes you think that you can't have a teammate, but you just didn't know, or you can't have edit editors, but you just didn't know use hatch.fm existed and use hatch.fm is like this amazing service. It's 500 bucks a month, unlimited podcast editing, American based phenomenal customer experience. Like, but if you don't know that exists, you'd be like, oh, I can't hire an editor. They're like so much money. And then like if you just do the homework, you'll find out that there's use hatch, you know, there's also another one called swell podcasting. Right. So there's always like a, a like a plethora of solutions out there and you may just not know they exist. So dreamscaping your 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 process is so clutch and so you do your research do your research then you get the production equipment that's in alignment with how you want to produce your show so for example the new show i'm producing like we are la tech is an in well nothing's in person right now because of covid but without covid uh we are la tech is an in-studio show women in tech is a travel show and the new podcast i'm coming out with brag is um a show where i wanted to make it stands for business women reaching awe-inspiring greatness like it's um, I wanted to have no video be really low lift, not take me more than like 30 minutes a week kind of thing other than the interview itself. Right. And so I ended up choosing the technology of Fireside app to create that show, you know, so like I use for my we are LA tech. I use an H6 when I'm in studio for women in tech. I use an H1 like every single one 
the, the point of sharing this is every single one has a different process and has different production in alignment with that process. So people don't spend time on purpose. They don't spend time working out their processes and figuring out what they really want. And a huge, huge mistake people make is they don't figure out what success looks like to them. They're just trying to be oh, like Joe Rogan overnight instead of really thinking about like, okay, like in the next six months, what does success look like? And what experiments are they doing every single month consistently? So in other terms, this would be marketing, but I like to call it experiments because I say if you do marketing, then you feel so emotionally attached that this has to work. If I do this email campaign, it has to lead to this. But we don't have that kind of control. All we could do is do the experiment and see what the data tells us that works or doesn't work. So we have a list of experiments. We're consistently doing new experiments. We're assessing if, if they're working or if they're not working. The ones that are working, we scale up. The ones that aren't working, we get rid of. And, um, and then, and you know, if you said like in six months, what success looks like is like, you know, 5,000 listeners. And so every month you're saying, okay, this month I got a hundred, this is what worked, this is what didn't. And you'll see exactly where you'll get and what's realistic for you. You'll see when you surpass that number, when you don't, and when you come below that number and it makes everything so much more emotionally tangible rather than just feeling like I'm going to be Joe Rogan and I'm going to have a podcast and da, da, da. And then you don't even know, like, and then you're spending a million hours and then you're frustrated or you're like, you know, it's just really understanding why you're getting into it, the resources that you have and what you want your life to look like with it. It's just such a powerful thing to do in the beginning. Yeah. God. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for giving all those good um, sites that are out there and services. I think that's half the battle is finding the right mix for you. Um, one thing I'm sort of getting from a, a lot of what you're saying is that number one, community is king, like build that up. Don't worry too much about the platforms, which one's right for you and that sort of stuff. People will find you if it's quality. Um, the other one I think is, um, the goal of why you're doing it. If that Wait, makes can, can I, can I pause for a second, Paul? It's not even yeah. that people will find you if it's quality. Cause I understand discoverability and that's the point of the experiments it's that people will refer you if it's right. quality. And a referral is so much stronger than discovery. Right. It's the viral effect, isn't it, as well? You've yeah. got one, one is the viral effect and one is the recommendation. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's probably more longer lasting as well because the, that person who recommended it to you, like, what did you think of the podcast? Oh, you yeah. haven't taken my recommendation? That's a bad. So you, you don't want to disappoint. Um, let's go back up high for a sec. And that's sort of stuff because I feel like we've, we've, we've gone down in the weeds of how to do it and that sort of thing <laughs> a bit. Um, when, when I looked at the data of who was actually listening to podcasts, I was actually really surprised. Um, 63% of podcast listeners, this is according to Infinite Dial 20, um, are white. Um, and I thought it would be a little bit more mixed than that, certainly. Uh, that's the thing. How do you think we can make podcasting more inclusive? I think we as people need to be more inclusive and just expose, expose our talents and, and be proactive about bringing our knowledge to different communities. For example, this morning, I did a workshop for the community serving community leaders around the world. Um, I had community leaders from Africa, from Asia, from North and South America, from Europe, you know, like, I proact, I'm really excited about the African startup community, like, but I proactively went out and, and found communities around the world to elevate and Mm. so it's about us as people proactively being inclusive yeah i really like um twitter spaces um push on that like when they first started it and still to this day actually they're pushing more and more um uh 
differently abled, uh, inclusive groups and that sort of stuff to really come to the forefront and start using their voices. And that really shows on a lot of the shows that are not just shows, but spaces that have been, uh, you know, pushed and sort of making their way and that sort of stuff. So a huge kudos to the team over there because that's that's not easy to do. Uh, and it's um, certainly something we need to see more of. That's for sure. Um, sure. I think when most people think of podcasting power, they probably think of the USA. Um, I think that's fair to say, but actually yes. more people from South Korea, Spain, Sweden, and Australia actually have more listeners of podcasts um, that was based on last month's data than the US. Do you think that trend's going to stay the same or do you think, nope, the US is going to retake that? I think that that's what makes podcasting so exciting is that people are still learning what a podcast is globally and it makes it so that, so that like people who get discouraged, like, okay, uh, the numbers for 2020 is the average podcast listenership was something like 130 listens a month. Mm. Like the average YouTube for a successful, that's the average if you're being, if you're a consistent, successful podcaster. Um, the 1%, I believe, has over 30,000 listeners a month or something. It's, and it, that's just 1%, right? And mm. here you are with YouTube that has these like mil, million view videos, you know? They're just not even the same. So the, that podcasting is growing globally. I hope that it, it completely blankets the U S and the rest of the world. I, there's so much education left on like, what is a podcast? How do I listen to it? How is it different than a YouTube channel? But the bigger that podcasting gets and the more listeners um, who adopt like this platform uh, of auditory experience, um, the more, the be best it will be for podcast producers. So I think, um, I'm excited. I think it's great. I hope, I know you asked if us will overtake, you know, or what I like, I hope everybody just grows like, and rampantly. Mm, I love that. Um, when I come and live in Los Angeles, you and I are going for coffee because I want to figure out how you <laughs> remain so positive in this world. Um, hundred <laughs> percent. So talk to me um, about the LA tech scene. Um, it's blowing up at the moment while San Fran, I think seems to be crawling back a bit rather than a mass exodus uh, to Austin, which was uh, sort of planned. LA has remained pretty solid. I think, is that fair to say? Um, so LA, I feel, well, for a while during the pandemic, I feel like everywhere was kind of like zoom nation. I don't think any city anywhere in the world currently, like in this exact moment, I think Miami is doing it really well. Yeah. Um, I thought, I, I thought Austin would overpower Miami, but it seems like Miami is just like making some moves right now. <laughs> um, I think LA is going to come at back stronger than it was before. I think during the pandemic as every single other city, everywhere like i don't think we had these hyper local communities i just think that we became a zoom nation you know mm. um but yeah before the pandemic we were really strong and thriving it was like i think it was san francisco us tel aviv and new york and i think that we're gonna come back even stronger because now that everybody's relocating and they have more opportunities um we have entertainment and tech and I feel like right now Colin and Samir has popularized the term the creator economy and I feel like the creator economy and the tech economy are merging together and, and you know it's like the new Hollywood and so I think Miami is a vacation stint because every it's the cool hip trend but I don't think LA is a trend I think we have the the you know the resources and the type of um the type of culture to, to really dominate um, because of entertainment and tech merging. Mm. Um, 
Name some names. Uh, what startups are interesting you at the moment in LA and why? Um, well, I, good pods, I told you, because I love that they're so um, so pro-indie creator. Like They even have this feature where you could select whether you're an indie creator or a mainstream show. And I just love that they're giving that type of love to indie creators. Um there's this uh, biotech company that I, the name escapes me, but they're building kidneys um, because there's a kidney shortage. Um, so that's just like, wow. There's um, the Unicorn Project and, um, and Founder Chat. Um, Founder Chat is to empower, um, empower founders not to be alone so they don't have to go through the journey alone. And Unicorn uh, Project is about um, connecting uh, investors with um, with talent um, because a lot of times, you know, deal flow is difficult um, for people who have a hard time finding investors. So it's kind of like the Tinder for investor matchmaking. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many. Okay. Um, is Elon powerful in LA still, or do you think his interest is waning? Um, who who is powerful in LA tech? Who are the or do you think his interest is waning? Um, who who is powerful in LA tech? Who are the kingmakers and breakers? Duh, me. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Sorry, I should have said apart from yourself. Obviously, yeah. no, I'm joking. Um... Uh, I have, I don't know. I honestly, I folk, I don't focus on stuff like that. I focus on the community and the people just moving here being seen. I really don't get caught up in the hype. Like I, I just, it doesn't interest me. So like, I get that Elon um, transferred from, from LA to Austin. And I mean, okay. Like, I just really care about, uh, I don't know, like the political climate uh, climates of like, what's, you know, I just people at the end of the day, like, I just keep going, people are human, we have fears, we have concerns, we have mm. um, wants, we have desires, we have imposter syndrome, we have dreams, we, we have, like, I don't know, it just, I just, I just think it's so important just to focus on the person, rather than the hype or mm get caught up in the newest fake news, you know? A fair point, I think. Um, I want to just, one one final question before I go into your Desert Island tweet. Um, you described yourself um, right at the beginning as an introvert. Um, do you think that that's a trait that's better suited for podcast presenting or for social audio hosting? Um, obviously, hugely uh, oversimplistic and generalisation, but which format do you, do you you feel most comfortable with the latter or former? Oh, neither. It's very hard. I have extremely extroverted capabilities. So as an introvert, it's very um, painful and depleting energetically to show up for any of it. But I'm so connected to my purpose and my why that I show up because... I'm living a purpose larger than just this human experience. And mm. I don't know if you've read the book Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl on how he survived the Holocaust, but I really learned a lot from that book. And he said he survived the Holocaust by living for a pur purpose larger than himself. So I exist and do the work that I do every day really connected to my universal purpose. Um, so what that means is, like, when I – when I'm about to give a speech on stage every single time, 
like even for days before it's so frustrating i feel sick i feel full of anxiety can't think straight i just it's like the worst it's so physically the worst but i if i were to not share my my ability to inspire and to educate and my courage and being vulnerable consistently that empowers others in end I would be selfish and I would not be using gifts that the universe gave me in order to do good in the world. And so I, I do my best to put aside how nauseous I may feel right before, you know, and just stay really connected to like why I'm serving in the first place. Mm. That's, that's, I, I think that's a good sentiment. Um, right. Okay. It is time for Asprey's Desert Island Tweets. And she is my favorite person because she gave me multiple to choose from. Normally I get one from the guest. Um, this is the part of Mouthwash where the guest picks a tweet or two that has changed their mind or way of thinking in some way. So if you turn your attention to the nest, I've just put one up from Danny Miranda. Um, oh, love. I thought you might. <laughs> uh, Asprey, talk me through this tweet. Why did you pick it? So... Can you read it to me? Because the it's not showing me anything. Absolutely. Danny Miranda. Uh, if you wanted to see where the world was going in 2011, you'd want to follow the people tapped into social media. If you want to see where the world was going in 2021, you'd follow the people who are tapped into crypto. Yeah, I loved that one. Because so I'm one of the people that was one of the leaders in, in social media. And I see the kind of... Um, the kind of abilities that gave me throughout my career. And I've always been kind of questionable about crypto. I invest in crypto, but not really. Like I just throw some money at crypto every month and I know that it might be lost and it just is what it is. Mm. And um, just, you know, a lot is happening. I mean, it's undeniable that a lot is happening. A lot of, you know, formal banks are adopting crypto. All these things are happening. And right now it's not really being taken um you know as seriously because it's still so new so i remember back when twitter first launched i remember hearing on the radio um you know what is this twitter thing blah 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 and there was so much resistance against it and so much like you know um questioning or mocking of these techno of these social tech technologies and now it's our everyday life and just normal and i think danny may have a point that and so it made me feel like you know what because I kind of wrote off crypto because I just I don't I'm not into gambling and like all this kind of stuff. But I I think that um, I should become more informed. Um, and I, I just think that that's important for me to become more informed because crypto probably is the future. And right now is the time where everybody's questioning it until it's just part of their lives forcefully, you know. Yeah, I, I think crypto is an interesting one. And I always say I never give anyone advice to go into crypto. But like you, I say, if you can afford to lose it, why not? You know, and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, when I see people putting stimulus checks in and that sort of stuff, it worries the, the crap out of me. But um, I do think that crypto bros, which there is a big culture of, um, need to realize that that's how they come across and they could win a lot more or a lot faster or bring people along a lot quicker if they didn't have so many of the behavior traits that they actually sort of express in rooms and that sort of stuff. It's a don't bit, get me started it, on bro culture. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Don't. That's, do you know what? Interestingly, it's come, up, it's come up a lot on mouthwash as sort of, you know, people's behavior traits and that sort of stuff. So it's, it's definitely something I want to talk about in future. Um, might be for a season three. Who knows? Uh, I mean, something... Something I'll share though, Paul, that's important. Like right now, I'm I'm in a bit of a an uncomfortable situation with my, one of my best friends, who's a guy, and mm. 
I think part of bro culture is just not knowing what you don't know. And so there's this article um, in Reddit, or not article, but there's this post in Reddit about a guy a while ago asking, um, like, what's the big deal with women, like, not running at night? Like, what gives? Like, why is this, like, such a thing or something? And uh, all these women shared, like, the kind of dangers that exist for us and, like, what, you know, what we have to think about, what we have to do, and why running at night for a woman is a lot different than running at night for a man. Mm. And the guy was like, oh, I had no idea. He's like, I wouldn't run at all at night if I had to go through all that. And so I think, and, and the kind of stuff that, that you know, uh, my friend and I are, I, I could just tell he he doesn't understand like he, he hasn't had to have the unfortunate situations that I've had to experience in my life, you know? Yeah. And so I think the, the, the thing is if, if every culture could just proactively become more curious, which could lead to compassion, like curiosity leads to compassion, I think that will start to create a shift for everybody because understanding that we don't know what we don't know. Like you said something really eloquent and I appreciated it when you were talking. I, I don't even remember the term right now, but you were talking, uh, you used a certain word for disabled. Uh, now I feel bad. Can I say disabled? Is that you? I, I said say it, differently abled. Differently abled. Thank you. And uh, do you see that? Like you took the time to educate yourself to come up with such a beautiful term, differently abled. And, and maybe this is a term that exists, but now I know it, right? Because you're educating me. And I think that's such a, um, such a powerful thing to do, to seek out all the different ways that we could communicate and understand others and become more curious of others. And, yes. um, and I think it's something that we don't do day to day because we get caught up in how busy we are, or our social media apps or social media scrolling or our families and pressures in life. And again, human, the human experience, you know, and if we could just kind of proactively take that time out to become curious and compassionate, it will, it will make a lot of change. I agree. I think being a good, curious human is a good sentiment to leave the conversation on, although I could speak with you for hours. Um, thank you for being part of Mouthwash, Esprit. Um, any final thoughts or advice for the listeners when it comes to the power of audio or starting a podcast? Yeah. I mean, first of all, thank you for having me on Mouthwash, Paul. This has been so cool. I'm, I'm so elated. And my my advice would be just remember your intuition is your oracle. So just go with your gut and understand that anything that you want to create is absolutely possible. And with consistency, you could do anything. Oh, amazing. All right. That was episode 19 of Mouthwash Season 2. Uh, I'm thrilled to have uh, the amazing Erin Lee from Babylon Health to close out the season and talk about the power of everything we have uh, close to and, and sort of representative of each other is our health. Um, we'll also be talking about technology as well. So we'll see you at the slightly earlier time of 8pm uh, if you're in the UK, 1pm if you're on New York time and 9am obviously if you're PST. Mouthwash will be back for Season 3 but you you don't have to miss a minute by checking out mouthwashshow.com for full details, downloadable content, calendars, email lists, and other things. You can have a look at that brilliant website, as well as the now infinitely sexy lists on Spotify, Apple Music, and other quality podcast platforms of which the episodes will be going up. Once again, my thanks to the amazing Esprit Devora. Follow her on Twitter, read her words on Medium, and find out more over at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Please show your appreciation one more time with a shower of emoji for a 
spree as the lo-fi music plays us out. Thank you for joining and thanks to the beautiful folks over at Ecology for planting a tree for every listener we get in season two. I've been Paul Armstrong. This has been Mouthwash, fresh chat that leaves you more confident only on Twitter spaces. 